are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Peacock, your host. This is a Mailbag Tuesday episode. Before we get to the mailbag, we're going to hear from Kyle Shanahan on the injury of Akella Witherspoon, how the 49ers will attack that position, who's in-house, who's going to start at right cornerback in Week 5, and what they could potentially do at the position, maybe even bring in somebody from outside the organization to add to the depth while Akella Witherspoon is out with his sprained foot. So more on Witherspoon, more on how long he will be out I do want to thank everybody for getting involved with this mailbag episode. After we talk Witherspoon, I'm going to dip deep into that mailbag and answer some questions. Mostly 49ers related, I think. Very different tone uh, in the post-week three mailbag in 2019 versus 2018. Of course, Jimmy Garoppolo tore his ACL in week three of last season. So the trajectory of the 49ers season going in a very different direction right now. And... uh Flying high, 49ers, 3-0. and oh. If you ever want to get involved in a mailbag, hit me up on Twitter at BDPeacock. You can email LockedOn49ers at gmail.com. And you can find this podcast and all the shows on the Locked On Podcast Network on your favorite podcast app. The biggest story in Ninerland right now, well, other than them being 3-0 and oh and off to a crazy good start this season, is that... Akella Witherspoon, starting right cornerback, who's had a phenomenal first three weeks of this season. He was carted off the field Sunday, and it has been revealed that he has a sprained foot. So there could have been worse outcomes here, but unfortunately, the 49ers will be without Akella Witherspoon for at least the next four weeks. So a month without Witherspoon, he does have one extra week here with the week four bye to start getting healed up, but he's going to be out for a while Head coach Kyle Shanahan was asked about who the next man up is at that position. Uh, yeah, I mean we got we got DJ Reed who can play corner. You know we got um, E-Man and we also got Brett. So we got three guys who can do it. We know Jimmy can also play corner. So we got other guys on this team who can play it. So it'll be next man up. Um, it'll be all about practice. You know we have a number of guys who are candidates for it. You know E-Man would be the lead guy right now um, with how he finished that game and came in and what he's done for us this whole year. Um, but we'll give all the other guys a chance too with these practices we'll have before Cleveland. Haven't seen a lot of DJ Reed, so I wouldn't expect him to get a ton of playing time due to this injury, but he could play a little bit of slot, a little bit of outside corner. It was Jason Verrett was the guy who jumped in there when Witherspoon got hurt and immediately was gone after by the Steelers offense and Mason Rudolph targeting him uh, twice in a row. The first one was a long P.I., and then the second one was a touchdown. And so definitely showing some rust is Jason Verrett. I wouldn't write Jason Verrett off just because of those two plays. I mean, he's too good of a player, has too good of a track record in the league. But it might take a little bit for him to get into game action and feel like someone who's ready to go on Sundays and play a big role because he missed all of training camp and really he's only had one full week of practice last week leading up to that game against the Steelers. So definitely looked a little rusty, not quite ready. Emmanuel Mosley, if you're wondering who E-Man is that Kyle Shanahan was talking about there, uh, Emmanuel Mosley then jumped in after Verrett was out. And I guess there was a plan, a, a package of plays that was planned to get Verrett in the game anyway, 
So they just jumped into that when Witherspoon got out and thought that was a good time to use those. Um, but they ended up going with Emmanuel Mosley the rest of the way at right cornerback. And so it looks like that's the way things will start, at least in week five, with Emmanuel Mosley being the first guy in there playing right corner. But you do have some depth with Jason Verrett. And again, I wouldn't write Jason Verrett off. He's too good. And I would definitely want to see him back in there and get some more reps and get some, you know, get his legs under him a little bit. And then uh, DJ Reed is a versatile guy. And of course, when he mentioned Jimmy, that's Jimmy Ward, who will most likely be back in there in the lineup. I thought he'd be active for week three, and he was not. He's got that broken hand, but he'll have it wrapped up and should be able to play in week five. And now they'll probably need that extra defensive back for him to be active for week five Monday night football against the Browns. And he could play, obviously, free safety. He could play some corner both inside and outside. So some versatility in that defensive backfield to help cover while Akello Witherspoon is out. So the 49ers do have some bodies there, but how good do they feel about those guys stepping in for an extended period of time? I do like Emmanuel Mosley. Had a really good training camp this year in preseason. I think he deserves a bit of a shot and a bump in playing time with Weatherspoon out. But at the same time, there might be some upgrades out there, potentially on the trade market. So how about it? Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, will they be hitting the phones with this extra week off in week four to maybe bring in some reinforcements at the position? Yeah, always. You know, we look always look at the trade market um, and we'll continue to. Um, but it's got to make sense for us. How much does it help the team right now, and how much does it help the organization going forward? Uh, you always think of now, but you you also always don't. Um, you think of years in advance, too, and how that affects salary caps, draft picks, things like that, the risk-reward on everything. And I know what everybody's thinking out there right now. They're thinking, okay, well, who's the best guy available? Who's the guy right now that's trying to get traded out of Jacksonville who might be the best cornerback in the league, who's played in this very scheme, who's been coached by... Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator for the 49ers, and Jalen Ramsey. And I still believe the asking price is too high. Uh, Weatherspoon's not done for the year. It's only a four-week thing. So can they get by for a month with those names we talked about? And Kyle Shanahan talked about long-term salary cap ramifications. If you can have the best cornerback in the league and have a long-term player right there, is it worth it for what the draft capital is that you have to give up? I mean, this could be your guy for a long time. Jalen Ramsey's still somehow only 24 years old. He's got two years left on his contract, counting this year, so he's in his fifth-year option year next year at a pretty penny. It's going to be $13 million. He was the number four overall pick in the draft, so that option year is somewhat pricey for someone still on their rookie contract. Still a bargain for one of the top cornerbacks in the league, but you would want to sign him at some point to a long-term deal if you were to trade for a guy like that. He is immensely talented. He's a super competitive guy. I don't think he's sabotaging the Jaguars or anything like that. I don't think he's doing anything crazy or worse than Richard Sherman ever did, being a very brash, confident player when he was in Seattle. So if you're cool with Richard Sherman and the type of player he is, I think you would be cool with the person and the personality and the competitiveness and the talent and the player that Jalen Ramsey is. The question is, what would it cost to bring him in? And everything I've heard out of Jacksonville is that it's going to take two first-rounders, and they're not backing down from that, and that they don't really even want to trade him now, but that now Jalen Ramsey's saying he's sick and doesn't want to show up because he really wants out. That's got to lower his price a little bit. I don't know. You're not getting two first-rounders for me. It looks like you're not getting two first-rounders for anybody in the league, so if they think they got to move him on, 
I think it's pretty clear that they're not going to get that asking price because if they would have gotten it, I think they would have already moved Jalen Ramsey. There was a rumor out there that the Baltimore Ravens had offered a first rounder, a second rounder, and former first round tight end Hayden Hurst, which is a pretty good haul. And if the and if that offer is true and the Jaguars are turning that down, I don't know that the 49ers are in a position right now to beat that. And I don't think it would be a smart move and an overreaction to do it because of Akilah Witherspoon getting hurt if you wouldn't have already done it. So I think that's what it comes down to for Jalen Ramsey. If it's a trade you would have done a week ago, then it still should be a trade that you would do now. But I don't think four weeks of a sprained foot of Akilah Witherspoon is enough to go crazy and, and make a trade that you wouldn't have before or offer a bunch more than you would have before. Maybe it, maybe it makes you have that meeting and you talk about it. Maybe you pick up the phone now and you didn't think you needed to before. And maybe that starts a conversation. And obviously, it sounds like the 49ers are having those conversations. And maybe there's some other cornerbacks around the league that could make some sense that aren't as pricey and aren't as uh, high of a name value as Jalen Ramsey is. So we'll see if the 49ers do something on the trade market this week. And it probably makes them feel a little bit better. And maybe they were holding some reserves and thinking, oh man, you know, we, we could give up a pick, but we might have to give up a pick for an offensive tackle because... We've got a debacle there with a star left tackle in Joe Staley losing him for six to eight weeks. If they're okay with how Justin School plays and they think they can limp through that position for the next six weeks with Justin School at left tackle, feel a lot better there. Maybe they could allocate the resources that they're thinking they might have to trade for a left tackle. Maybe they could use that for a defensive back instead. Who knows? And maybe they'll do nothing at all. I think they do like their depth and like some of the players that are in-house, if I had to bet, I would say that they don't make uh, a move or don't make any big splash type of move to bring in a player at really any position. But I will say the 49ers are good right now. They expect to win, and they're in a position that they need to compete and want to compete, and maybe that competitive drive will make them want to bring in another player with an equally large competitive drive. Let's get into that mailbag. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course, you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? Put that knowledge to use. If you're listening to this show, you're obviously a well-informed football fan. Whether you're betting on the 49ers, betting on some of the other games around the league, make yourself a little cash with my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit MyBookie.com. AG. Today, you play, you win, you get paid. Are you losing sleep at night over your unfiled tax returns or the large amount you owe the IRS or any other state tax agency? Does it feel like you're trapped and that these tax problems will never go away? Are you worried the IRS will garnish your bank account or your wages? Do you want to be free and put these tax problems behind you? Greg's Tax Service is your local tax resolution specialist. Greg's Tax Service has been in the business for over 25 years and is passionate about helping their clients resolve their tax issues 
and to get them all the deductions and credits they're entitled to when preparing their tax returns. Call or text Greg's Tax Service at 925-778-4871 to set up an appointment to find out the best options available to free you from your tax problems. Again, that's 925-778-4871. Call or text to set up an appointment, and if you qualify, they can help you settle with the IRS for less than the full amount you owe. Remember, Greg's Tax Service for all your tax needs. Greg's Tax Service is your local tax advocate standing up and defending the rights of taxpayers. Find them online at gregstaxservice.com. Let's get into this Locked On 49ers listener mailbag, shall we? Let's start with David, who gets dropped from the 53 when Tevin Coleman and Jalen Hurd return. Uh, David, nobody gets dropped from the 53. That's the bonus of uh, getting those two guys back is they're still on the active roster. They're still on the roster, but uh, the question is who's going to be active of the 46 of those 53 players because you always have seven guys who are inactive on game day and Coleman and Hurd have not been on IR or anything like that, so they've been on the 53 already, but they have been inactive. So when those guys are healthy enough to be active, who becomes inactive? And I have a feeling the 49ers will still stick with three active running backs, but they're not going to kick Jeff Wilson off of the 53-man roster, but he might be the odd man out as far as playing time goes and and be the guy who's inactive on Sundays when Tevin Coleman is back. And then that means I would assume that Tevin Coleman is sort of the the short yardage back and has that role that Jeff Wilson has played in the last couple of games. And then it's probably Raheem Mostert who becomes the number three back and has the least role on offense of those three running backs. And obviously he still has a big role in special teams. So he's definitely going to be active on game days and uh, he'll get worked in. I'm sure, but he won't be a huge factor. Then it'll be more of a one, a one B situation. Like we saw at the beginning of the season with Breida and Coleman, but I got to believe it's Breida that's earned the one a with Coleman being the one B and maybe Coleman's short yardage. And then they'll make some most in there as well. But I'd be surprised if they activate more than three running backs every week unless one of them's hurt. And the guy who's hurt is probably going to be inactive so they can have three healthy backs each week. And I would imagine if Coleman's ready to go week five, it'll be Jeff Wilson who is the inactive of those four running backs. But everyone remains on the 53. And when it comes to Jalen Hurd, that's a tough one because uh, they'll probably have to make one of those wide receivers inactive. So it would come down to Hurd versus probably, I mean, the the wide receiver that's getting the least playing time right now is definitely Kendrick Bourne. So do you want Hurd's ability with his size and uh, maybe playing from the slot to be active? Or do you just let him stay inactive, not hurt himself any further? It was a hairline fracture in his back, Kyle Shanahan revealed. I don't think I'd heard that before Monday's press conference. And... So Jalen Hurd dealing with that back injury, so we'll see how he looks in practice probably first before he's able to even be up and active on game days. And uh, that'll be an interesting decision every week. I got to imagine Hurd's skill set will just be more valuable to the 49ers than than Kendrick Bournes will be. And of course, Richie James is returning both punts and kicks, and right now he's the number one slot guy. Would Hurd slide in there and be the slot guy while Trent Taylor is out? I don't know. That's a good question. And and he might very well be, but then still Richie James' special teams ability would keep him active much like Mostert's does. So I think it would have to come down to either Hurd or Bourne being active because they do have to have seven inactives 
every week. And if less of these guys are hurt, they'll have to make some tougher decisions and have some healthy scratches on game day. To Jeremy on Twitter, if we beat the Browns and then also the Rams, is it safe to say this team has arrived? Yeah, definitely safe. It's safe to say it right now, Jeremy. If you're around the office or you are, I don't know, Jeremy, what your life is like. If you're at school, if you're a student, uh, if you're around the office, if you got family, if you're living in enemy territory, fly the flag. I think it's safe to say that this team has arrived. It's 100% safe to say the team has arrived if they beat the Rams. I mean, that's the, the litmus test right now. If you still want to tiptoe around the idea right now, I totally get it. Not a lot of wins combined between the three teams the 49ers have beat so far. The Browns look like they were maybe a little bit overhyped coming into the season, much like the 49ers were last year. Browns are definitely a beatable team. If after week five, if the 49ers beat the Browns and 4-0, still you're not completely sure, I get it. And that's probably, you know, err on the side of caution. That's usually what I do on the show. I try to be the, the voice of reason, not get too overhyped or too low at certain times. But if they beat the Rams, that's when it's fair. That's when the gloves are off, and it's, it, it's very safe to say that the 49ers have arrived in 2019. I want to go to Eddie on Twitter, who had a similar feeling about Verrett that I did. He says, I like Mosley out there getting reps, but I wouldn't write off Verrett after just a few plays. He may not have been ready to play in a pinch like that. I expect him and Mosley to heat up with the extra reps as long as our front seven is healthy. We'll be good on the back end. And yeah, I totally agree with that. You can't overrate two snaps from Jason Verrett, getting a whole week of practice, maybe getting some starting reps, knowing exactly what he's going to be expected of during the game. And maybe it's just like last week where they don't plan to play Verrett for a whole game, but have a package of plays for him. So we'll see Mosley out there a lot. And then we'll see Verrett jump in for a little bit, then back to Mosley. That's something like I would expect and maybe keep... Um, the Browns a little bit honest, and I wonder if the Browns will see like, okay, you put Verrett on the field, let's let's test him again. And I think at a certain point, Verrett, and he's a competitive guy, I bet he'll be like, yeah, go ahead, test me, let's go. And he might be a little bit more up for the challenge and, and maybe, um, I don't know, just a little bit, you know, have his legs under him, just be a little bit, a little bit better game shape. It was just a couple of weird plays. The he It looked like he was making up ground. He had no help over the top against, uh, I don't remember, was it, uh, I think it was James Washington, and their legs got tangled up. I think he was going to be in pretty good position. You know, Washington kind of had a step, but then Verrett was closing ground, and they were close enough to where their feet got tangled up, and then obviously he takes him down because uh, you're going to get a PI call on that pretty much every time. And then the next play was just weird because it wasn't even a double move or anything like that. He just sort of was looking back and, and peeked into the backfield and slowed down and let his man get away from him. And I don't know why he did that. It's a very strange thing to do, especially if he was supposed to be over the top or if he's in man coverage. Either way, it uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. So I think Verrett just, you know, maybe a mental hurdle there, getting back on the field for the first time in a while. He's been so banged up for so long. He's got to get back into game shape, probably mentally and physically. And so maybe it's best just to have him in there for a package of plays, get more comfortable before expecting him to be a full-time starter at right cornerback. Ramsey402 on Twitter says, is it just me or do you have 100% confidence that our D-line will close out games when the opposing offense has to drive down the field at the end of the fourth quarter? Yeah, I'm with you there. Ultimate confidence right now in the 49ers front seven, that defensive line is as good as I could have expected them to be coming into the season. They are monsters. 
numerous players playing at a super high level. Uh, looking at the PFF numbers from last week, and Bosa didn't even really get that much credit, and he he didn't show up in the stat book that much. But PFF had him with seven pressures last week. He just wins reps. He puts so much pressure on opposing teams versus the run versus the pass. He win wins reps versus the offensive tackle he's going up against. So Bosa's been awesome and still not at 100%. Uh, he's coming up a little bit short for some sacks. I think people maybe would, if they remember back to the draft process, it's like, oh, he's got 33-inch arms. You want to have 34-plus-inch arms. That's the ideal to have 34. Is in, his arms are one inch shorter. And it's funny because sometimes he does look like he comes up just a little bit short of, of grabbing the quarterback or, or the running back in the backfield and bringing him down. I think part of it is really just that extra bit of burst and that extra bit of change of direction because of his ankle injury. And I think we'll be right about eight weeks for that injury when it comes to week five. So that's perfect. That's where he needs to be. And it's a four to eight week injury for a high ankle sprain. We're seeing that right now with Saquon Barkley, who just got hurt for the New York Giants. His high ankle sprain is four to eight weeks. For the 49ers, Bosa's high ankle sprain, they're like, yeah, it's four weeks. He's like, ah, four to eight weeks. So uh, he's definitely not 100% yet. Maybe he'll be there by week five in Monday Night Football, which will be huge. And I really want to see him at full strength. And D Ford on the other side, both those guys had a ton of pressures in that game. Eric Armstead, who hasn't gotten enough love, and I haven't talked about him enough on this podcast. Eric Armstead's playing out of his mind, playing his best ball right now. And I meant on Monday's episode to have him be an honorable mention in the game ball because I, I gave the ceremonial defensive line game ball to DeForest Buckner instead. But Eric Armstead, I wanted to mention how he was an honorable mention and put his name in there, and it was just getting tight on time, and I forgot to mention it. But Eric Armstead's playing fantastic. DJ Reed's doing a pretty good job as the plugger at nose tackle as well. He's sort of the fifth starter on that defensive line. And then you've got other rotational guys. Ronald Blair's playing great. Uh, just so many players, even Julian Taylor and uh, Solomon Thomas. Rotational guys not getting as much run as the other six main uh, defensive linemen right now, but... They're all just playing so good. It's the strength of the team. They are good in the first quarter, and they're definitely good in the fourth quarter, and that's what's going to help the 49ers close out games. I'm with you, man. All right, more mailbag coming up. And this podcast is brought to you in part by Greg's Tax Service. They're an honest, straightforward tax company that's been in the business for 25 years and can help you with all of your tax problems, unfiled returns, back taxes, IRS collection, payment plans, Offer and compromise audit representation. Find out more about Greg's Tax Service at gregstaxservice.com. R. Alexander wants to talk running backs. He says, not sure if this is at all being talked about, but the Giants are in need of some running back depth, and it happens to be something we have. Any chance in trading Mostert or Wilson since Coleman is coming back after the bye? I would say no. Because we've already seen how important that depth and the need of depth is at running back. And the 49ers saw it last year. And we've seen it already this year with Coleman going down. It's not going to be the last injury for 49ers running backs. They're in this thing to win it. I don't think what you would get back from a team like the Giants who are not planning. I don't know. Well, (laughs) their new quarterback, I think, is better than their old quarterback. So maybe they are going to win some games here. But they did have a... I mean, they lost a massive piece in Saquon Barkley of that offense. I don't know what they would be willing to give up for a running back, and I think it would just help the 49ers to keep their depth at running back and and have all those players. I mean, it's a great problem to have, to have to 
have a healthy scratch of a, a pretty good running back. And right now, the 49ers should just hang on to those guys and roll with them. And they're going to need that depth later in the season. Trust me, they will need that. James says, in the midst of the Akello news and Ramsey speculation, my question is, would the 49ers even be able to monetarily afford Jalen Ramsey with the Kittle, Buckner, future extensions? With our pass rush, we made the leap to proven with D Ford. Why not do the same with Ramsey? Could the 49ers fit Ramsey's salary in? I think they absolutely could. And the, the salary cap's only going to go up in 2021. It might even skyrocket when the new CBA happens. We'll see what that looks like, which would be the first year of a brand new contract for someone like Jalen Ramsey, who's signed through 2020 with his fifth year option. So, yeah, I, the salary cap is something that can be massaged. It's something that's not quite fictitious completely, but it almost is. And if you have good players, I think you can fit most of what you need to in there. You can't go crazy and do stupid stuff with your contracts. The 49ers could front load some deals while they have the space right now. We already saw them do that with Garoppolo. So even though Garoppolo was making a nice chunk of change, it's not something that's really going to hurt them. Uh, they, the way they do contracts, they could structure them any number of ways to fit all those players in. I don't, you know, tight ends don't make insane money. Buckner's going to earn a lot, but defensive tackles don't make as much as, say, defensive ends. And I think DeForest Buckner this year is not going to have, you know, 12 sacks like he had last year because he's going to get beat to the quarterback by some of the other guys the 49ers have because they've got speed on the edge now. So the 49ers could absolutely fit it all in. The question to me is, what do you have to give up in draft picks knowing that you have to sign this guy to a huge deal already? And at some point, it just doesn't make sense to throw a big contract at a player and throw multiple draft picks. And it just really hurts you in the long run because you would be up against the cap for adding other players and you would not have those draft picks to supplement it and get the cheap talent in, the cheap, good talent to help build the roster around some of those expensive players. So, yes and no. It would have to make sense in the long term, though, if the 49ers were going to do a Ramsey deal. Let's go to DJ Dave, or maybe DJ Dav, I don't know, on Twitter. He says, what up, BD Peacock? What's your take on the running back situation aside from a tip screen pass that led to the INT Brita played well, almost five yards of carry, and a constant threat to break a big run. I'd prefer him as a starter with Coleman mixed in on passing downs once healthy. Your thoughts? Yeah, DJ, I'm with you, man. That's the way to do it. Brita, I mean, we've. I think Mostert has had more carries than Brita the last two weeks when you combine those weeks. So I think it can be pretty much split, and I, I like having Brita on the field. I think he should be the number one guy but I want to keep him healthy all year. So I don't want Breedy to get 20 carries a game. So give him a dozen carries. Let Coleman get 10 or 12 carries. Let Coleman do the short yardage stuff because I think he might be a little bit better suited to do that just because he's a heavier guy. He's just a bigger guy. I, I actually think Wilson might even be a better short yardage guy than Coleman. I don't know, but I know that Kyle Shanahan views Coleman as someone who can be the short yardage player, which is why I think Jeff Wilson will be the inactive guy when everyone's healthy. And it'll be Coleman and Brita. Hopefully Brita gets the big share of those carries. And then you can utilize the skills of Mostert and Coleman in there on game days. Anybody gets hurt, you bring up Wilson and you're still good. So uh, it's a good problem to have and a lot of talent there. They don't need to lean on any one player and I don't expect they will. 
I think we can hit some more of these. This is from DC88. He says, hey, BD Peacock and King Leo, been listening for a while and was wondering some production stuff for an average episode. How much time do you spend planning, researching, editing, and all that? Then for writing, do you have a full written out portion or just some bullet points? Uh, Mostly it's notes I go off of. Definitely more like bullet points than full written out stuff. There's almost none of it scripted or, or completely written out, aside from the ads where advertisers want you to read a specific thing. And when it comes to how much time it takes, and I get asked this question a lot, how much time does it take to produce a 30-minute podcast? The answer I give people is, I'm always working, and I'm never working. So it's basically constant. So it's hard to put a time on it, because as far as research and following this stuff, and, and you know watching the games and taking notes, and some episodes there might be more specific side research that you have to do, or on a certain guest, it's, it's kind of never-ending, and it's something I care about and something I enjoy doing so I'm already doing it anyways and then when it comes to recording the podcast there's editing stuff and I've played music for years recorded music worked in radio so the editing stuff for me is pretty easy which for some people might be more difficult and more time consuming I think some podcasts a 30 minute show takes 30 minutes it's super simple you have a conversation with somebody boom 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 quick edit upload it and it's pretty simple and quick sometimes it takes a lot longer sometimes I add more audio to it so it just depends really Uh, And it never feels much like work because it's a fun thing to do. And it's crazy that I've kind of been training my whole life, following sports, getting deep into this stuff, and recording music. And it was an industry and a job that didn't exist. But I was training for it the whole time. I didn't realize. And now it's a thing that advertisers take seriously. And it's super popular. So shout out to everybody who's helped this thing grow. It's been a lot of fun. So the easy answer there is I really have no idea on average how long a podcast takes. Some take longer than others. And I'm pretty much always working, but sometimes it feels like I'm never working. I hope I hit most of the big stuff on this episode. There was a lot of repeat questions. Obviously, there's some big subjects that we had to hit here. Always appreciate everybody who gets involved in these mailbags. And my apologies if I didn't get to you. I'll try to get to you next time. And I'll be back tomorrow right here. Locked on 49ers.